0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. A study of the last two days of Jesus' life is an extremely emotional study that never fails to have an effect upon me, no matter how often I engage in it. One thing that stands out as I read and think about those last few days, and that thing is love. Truly, I don't know that I have the ability to put into words the magnitude of his love because I simply marvel at it. Yet I know that the Lord wants you and me, indeed he wants all of us to follow his example. I want us to pick up on Thursday of Jesus's final week. The preparations for the eating of the Passover meal have been completed, and Jesus and his apostles are gathered together in the upper room in Jerusalem. As the apostles were seating themselves for the meal, Luke 22 and verse 24 tells us, And there arose also a dispute among them as to which of them was regarded to be greatest. Jesus responded to their contention and taught them that true greatness is not seen in positions of honor, but in positions of service. He took the occasion to teach them a stunning object lesson about love. Going to John chapter 13 and verse 1, we find, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knowing that his hour had come that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. When we think about it, The absolute knowledge of Jesus that his death was near makes what he was about to do overwhelming as a revelation of true love and greatness. My friends just two days before this event on Tuesday of his final week Jesus had declared in John chapter 12 and verse 27 now my soul has become troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour but for this purpose I came to this hour. Jesus understood the necessity of his death if you and I were ever going to be saved, but he was not blind to the pain and the anguish that it would bring. I must tell you, if it had been me with the apostles in that upper room, do you know who I probably would have been thinking about the most? Of me. Jesus knew that he was about to depart from this world and that his departure would be ushered in with tremendous pain and suffering. He knew everything that was going to happen to him, and yet he also knew that he would be leaving these men in the world where they would have to continue on and proclaim his message. They needed his love and attention, and they needed it now. Yes, his foreknowledge intensified his suffering, but incredibly, their need took precedence in his heart. Jesus would gird himself and wash their feet. Back in John 13 verses 13 through 15, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you ought also to to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Yes, my friends, Jesus the Son of God, stooped to wash the feet of his apostles. But it wasn't really their feet he was cleansing. Jesus was cleansing their hearts. They had been fussing about who was going to be first, who was going to be most important. And Jesus showed them what really mattered and said, For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Can we even understand that? Staying in John 13, let's skip on down to verses 34 through 35 where Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This was not a new commandment in the sense that the command to love had never been given before, It was a new commandment in the sense of its degree, even as I have loved you. And it was a new commandment in the sense of the motive, which was the love of Christ that we have experienced. Let's move to John 15. It is still the same setting. In verses 12 and 13, Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. This is the supreme command, love. They were to love each other. We are to love each other as passionately and as intensely as Jesus loved them and us. How great was his love? He was about to die for them and for you and for me. Later, that same night, Jesus would be in the Garden of Gethsemane. He would say in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Three times Jesus would pray as he did in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done so terrible was the emotional strain that jesus was enduring at this time that luke 22 in verse 44 tells us and being in agony he was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground when the mob came to take him and to start the awful process that would culminate on the cross jesus said or do you think that i cannot appeal to my father And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels and i wonder why didn't he why did jesus allow all of this to happen to him why did he go through all of this and there's a one word answer yet so profound the answer is love after the mockery of justice that his trials constituted jesus was led in procession to golgotha Turning to Luke chapter 23, to the account of that deadly journey, we'll notice what is said in verses 27 through 29. And following him was a large crowd of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wounds that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Here, even after the crowd had shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Jesus still showed his concern for the people of the city. It is important to understand that Jesus was not being overwhelmed or defeated by a superior force. Jesus was voluntarily giving himself in fulfillment of the will of God. But the Jews, by their actions, were condemning themselves, and he warned them of what lay ahead. Why? Because of love. When they arrived at the site of the crucifixion, Jesus was stripped of his clothing, the crossbeam having been placed on the ground. The Lord was thrown down upon it, and his arms were stretched out, slightly bent to allow flexibility and to prolong the agony and heavy wrought iron nails were driven through the small indentations at the front of his wrists. Then, with Jesus nailed to it, the crossbeam was hoisted into place on the upright and made secure. Then his feet were taken, placed one on top of the other, and another wrought iron spike was driven through his arches into the wood of the upright. It appears that this was about this time in the process that Jesus uttered that incredible statement, found in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. How in the world could he say that? How, through the waves of pain and agony, could he even think that? There is only one answer, and that answer is love. That statement of the Lord uttered on the cross always affects me. It doesn't matter how many times I read it because every time I read it, it makes me pause. It makes me marvel and it makes me ashamed. To me, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Stated under those circumstances epitomizes what love is really all about. And it brings to mind a passage found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. In that book and in that chapter, Paul talked about many things. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, he wrote about the new life that is to be lived by those who are in Christ. He wrote in verses 1 and 2, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. In verses 5 through 7, Paul wrote of those things that they must put to death, since they were risen with Christ. He spoke of such things as immorality, impurity, greed, and so on. Then in verses 8 through 11, Paul exhorted them to change their garments, so to speak. In other words, Paul wrote that that since they were Christians, they were to put off or to remove from their lives certain kinds of things. He specifically mentioned anger and wrath, malice and blasphemy, obscene language and lying, after all they were to have put on the new man and be as one with their brothers and sisters in christ that brings us to verses 12 through 14 paul wrote so as those who have been chosen of god holy and beloved put on a heart of compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. My friends, when we read the five virtues Paul mentioned in verse 12 and said that we as Christians are to put them on, who do you think of as the greatest example of each of them? Who had the greatest heart of compassion? I remember a statement made in Mark chapter 6 verse 34 which was so typical about the Lord. It says when Jesus went ashore he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. My friends when you think of kindness I mean really think about it who do you think of? Looking at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 7 we read but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in christ jesus both the father and the son have shown their kindness in bringing salvation to us my friend when you think of humility who do you think about as the greatest example of humility of all time it has got to be jesus turning to philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8 we read have this attitude in yourselves which was also in christ jesus who although he existed in the form of god did not regard equality with god a thing to be grasped but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In Jesus there was no arrogance, no false sense of pride, no demanding of his rights at the expense of others. When we think of meekness and patience and try to picture those attributes of character and action. The picture has to be that of Jesus. In Second Corinthians chapter ten and verse one, Paul wrote, "Now I, Paul myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ." Jesus Himself said in Matthew chapter eleven, verses twenty-eight through thirty, "Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart." and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and i ask you what could be more or stronger evidence of the patience of the lord than the fact that mankind is still here and my friends i see verse 13 of colossians 3 which says bearing with one another and forgiving one another whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the lord forgave you so also should you consider that just as the Lord forgave you. Again, my mind goes to Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There is a song we sing from time to time with the following lyrics. I was not in the garden when he knelt to God and prayed. I did not kiss him on the cheek when Jesus was betrayed. I could not do a single thing to hurt God's only son, but every time I sin on earth, I feel that I'm the one. I was not at the trial when the crowd jeered at his name. I did not make him bear a cross or walk a road of shame. I could not do a single thing to hurt God's only son. But every time I sin on earth, I feel that I'm the one. I was not on the hillside when he gave his life that day. I did not nail his precious hands or take his robe away. I could not do a single thing to hurt God's only son. But every time I sin on earth, I feel that I'm the one. I'm the one who shouted crucify. I'm the one who made his cross so high. I'm the one who stood and watched him die. What have I done? I'm the one. I am responsible for putting Jesus on the cross and so are you. When we sin, it is just as though we have the hammer in our hands. But if you are a Christian, he has forgiven you. Then you and I are to do the same thing. We are to have patience toward each other. Patience means that I will not be easily provoked at a brother or sister in Christ, no matter what I might perceive that they have done to me because it gives me the ability to keep clear of unkind reactions. My friends, if we just think, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, then no one of us will ever hold a grudge against any brother or sister. Without a willingness to forgive, we can never be like Christ. If we're going to forgive like Christ forgave, then whoever feels that they have a reason to complain about another or to be angry about another or refuse to speak to another must be willing to forgive. Did Jesus have a reason to be angry as he hung on the cross? I certainly think so. But what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Let's close this episode by considering verse 14 of Colossians chapter 3. Beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. What makes all of this possible is love. Love is a supreme virtue because it is foundational it binds all of the other attributes together without it there will be no real compassion kindness humility or tenderness no meekness or patience and certainly without it there will be no forgiveness forgiveness is much more than simply saying well i forgive them or her or him forgiveness is evidence of love as john wrote in first john chapter 3 and verse 18 little children let us not love with word or with tongue but indeed and in truth. Words to think about, thanks for listening.